Back in December of 2002, she was working at, she's, as a nurse in a hospital in Jibla in Yemen, at the Jibla Hospital in Yemen. She was one of three people who were murdered by an Al-Qaeda gunman, a guy who had wrapped up a gun to make it look like a sick child and act as though he was waiting to care for a sick child and went in through the waiting area and shot them that day. Three martyrs for the glory of God, but more importantly, understand that these people knew there was a danger. In this newspaper article, it says at the bottom, Dr. Martha Myers, who was slain Monday, had insisted on returning to Yemen, saying, I need to be there. They knew the risk that was involved. They'd been warned by the State Department of all the hostilities there and so forth. It wasn't, it wasn't this picture of a bunch of angry people surrounding a hospital demanding for them it was a man within the community who had to disguise himself because the people of the community would not have allowed him to come in to hurt these people they were loved by the community they were in there was as much grief amongst the people they served when they were killed as it was nobody praised this man nobody cheered him on in fact Hotel, uh, hospital officials came and, and found him and he just simply laid the gun down and put his hands on his head and, and said something about the cleansing of whatever. He was just just a Islamic extremist. But they, she was the type of person that would go from town to town, go out into the villages and minister to people and when she was going, supposed to go on a single day event, she would get caught up in what she was doing and would wind up staying overnight and so forth, going to some of the most difficult areas, some of the most poverty-stricken areas of Yemen and kind of, well it does, gives us an example of this is what Jesus means when he says to love others as he has loved us not thought for self, just simply looking at the people that are in our path, whether it's in Yemen or Jackson it doesn't matter, it's just the people that God brings into our path, wherever he has put us wherever he has stationed us, us just being aware that there are people who need us to minister to them, to care for them, to look after them. This is, this is where our heart is supposed to be. And so as we're living for Christ, as we make a decision to live for Christ and to, and to learn who He is through studying His Word, what we learn in His Word then has to be applied, has to be taken and put into action. And that's where this love takes place. This is where we love others as He has loved us. We should be learning how He loves us and then taking that and going out and utilizing that. In an article that was written, the last paragraph of the article said, Logic and the inherent risk of being in Yemen may suggest it's better to leave them to the suffering brought about by their own war. But the gospel is not about isolation. It's about God's love for all, even for those in the hardest places. Pray for those who will one day take the next walk down a Yemeni street, ready to share the love and peace of the gospel no matter what the cost. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says that he's coming again, sharing a parable about the return of the king. And as he comes, he clarifies how he is going to identify his own people, the people who follow him. And it's very important as we look at this passage at what is not present there. Because the values that we give, a lot of times we think in terms of 
what makes church people church people, we think in terms of church attendance, of Bible study, of piety, and seeming looking Christian, acting Christian, and we have an idea of this is what this would look like. He has every opportunity to express that in this passage, but he doesn't. And it's not to say that Bible study is not important. It's not to say that church attendance isn't important. It's to understand that the reason why we attend worship, the reason why we study the Bible, the reason why we live moral lives moves us into a position to actually then be the hands and feet of Christ. Jesus didn't just exist as a holy person. He came into this earth and he touched people and he healed people and he loved people through action after action after action and expects us to do the same. Look in chapter 25, verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them from one, one from another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on the left and the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave Me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. And Lord, as we look at this passage, may you show us how we can be your sheep. Lord, that we would be the people that you called us to be, doing what you called us to do. For we pray in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Today we're going to highlight ministry as it should be done in order to make extremely clear that we are followers of Jesus Christ because he is returning he is coming I have people contacting me all the time saying you should be talking about the coming of Jesus because Jesus is coming soon Not, uh, this should be inherent in every, every message we ever have that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon I think more important though is to understand that when he comes we want to be doing what he's called us to do. We want to be actively engaged. We want to be hiding in a rock, under a rock somewhere. We don't want to be uh, pretending as though uh, we're afraid of everything that's happening around us and waiting for Him to come back and rescue us. We should be actively doing that which He put us here to do. And the first element of that that makes us unique is that we, what we do, we do for His glory. We do for His glory. It's it's not for us. It's not for us. We're not doing things to make people look at us. And, and I think when Jesus came on the scene in the first century, that there were people who were not doing anything. There were not people. There were people who were not helping others and, and not ministering to others. But there were also people who uh, were very religious. I guess there were non-religious people who were doing good things, but not for the glory of God. There were people, other people who were religious 
who were not doing helpful things. And so it's trying to find that place in the middle. I, I, we uh, For years, I wanted to have a ministry in which we changed oil. I know that sounds weird. Uh, I wanted to have a ministry in which we changed oil for single moms. I don't know. It was a, I was at a conference or some type of convention or read it in a book. I don't know where the idea got in my head, but I thought, that is an amazing ministry. I want us to have this ministry for single moms and widows that we change their oil for free and share the gospel with them as we're changing their oil. But here's the key that that it's not just a ministry. And we had other churches have done this and, and seen it at other churches. And we've pastored a church that did this as well. Finally, I was at a church long enough where we actually got this ministry in place and, and saw it through. Because the idea was is that while you're changing, they, they reserve a time to get their oil changed. So you get the oil and the filters and everything, get some guys to volunteer and put an ad in the paper. Anybody wants their oil changed, single moms and um, widows. And so they make this reservation. And, um, and so we have all the supplies there. And then when they come during their appointment, 15 to 20 minutes takes to change their oil. And while they're getting their oil changed, we have people appointed who've been trained to stand there with the person getting their oil changed and they share the gospel with them. We have kind of a captive audience. It's kind of like, while we're doing this for you, we have something we want to tell you. The important thing was to connect the act with the gospel. That's what we wanted to do. Otherwise, we would just give them a gift card to Walmart and let them go there and get their oil changed. That has no eternal impact. And it's the same it is with anything that we do. There has to be this this for the glory. I, I remember a lady who was, when we lived in Oregon and we were driving back and forth, or flying back and forth, uh, we had four kids. And so when we'd come into town, my parents would come to pick us up at the airport. There are not a lot of vehicles. If my mom and dad came, there are six of us, two of them. So that's eight. And there weren't a lot of eight-person vehicles. And so they would get creative in the way they would pick us up. Uh, and one time they came and picked us up, and it was a van uh, that we found out was used by a bar to take home drunk people, which is repurposed or whatever. Uh, it was Becky's Place was the name of the bar, and, and so um, it wasn't far off the mark. Uh, but we found out that the lady who owned the bar had gotten saved and now was using, the, uh, converted the bar into a place for uh, young people. And it became uh, Daniel's, I think Daniel's place or something like that. Effect. Jake, what? Joshua's place. Thank you. I knew it was a prophet somewhere, somewhere in there. Uh, Joshua's place. Thank you. Daniel didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, Joshua's place. And then she used the bus to um, pick up people. But it, but it was interesting to see how same building, same van, doing the same basic function but with a different purpose, change it, transition that purpose to the gospel. And that is because it's not just about doing good things. It's about doing good things for his glory. For his glory. Look in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. He is coming. And when he comes, he is going to cull out his sheep from the goats. 
we need to be loving other people. Our ministry to others needs to be uniquely connected to the gospel. Because he is the one who is going to be on the throne. And what that, why that's so important is understanding that he is going to return. He is going to be the one on the throne. This, this is going to be a discussion. This is going to be a vote. This is going to be a, a popularity contest. There isn't going to be polls taken to see whether Jesus is going to be empowered. This is He is going to come back. He is going to be on the throne. And the question is, is who belongs to him and who does not belong to him? And so those of us who are connected to him are doing good things in his name. And he's going to go through these things that we need to be doing. But make no mistake, it is to be done for his glory. For his glory. Not for our glory, not for our purpose, not for our magnification. So whenever you and I do something good, when we feed somebody, when we help somebody, when we minister to somebody, when we take care of other person's needs... There needs to be a connection to Christ in that. We need to make that connection so that people understand, I am doing this, but I'm not doing this for me. I am doing this just because I'm a good person. I'm not doing this because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing this because I've been saved and transformed by Jesus. I am acting as his hands and feet, and this this is how much Jesus loves you. He loves me, and I'm letting his love flow through me into you, and just move that into a gospel transition. And the reason is, is because we are inheriting a kingdom. We are inheriting a kingdom. That those of us who are following him and who are living for his glory and are doing these things, we are doing it as a part of a kingdom that we are going to become part of. There was a movie a while back that was a Christian movie that came out called The Ultimate Gift, and it was this billionaire who had a son who was spoiled, and and he didn't just give him his money. He, he gave him a series of tasks that he had to do. And the ultimate gift kind of was that the gift wasn't money. The gift was in doing those tasks. He understood what life was really all about. And by the time he actually did get money at the end of all the 12 tasks, he didn't use the money for himself. He bought a hospital or something. But the, but the, but the message was is that this was about understanding that God has put us here with a purpose, with a plan to serve other people, not to earn a kingdom, but the kingdom is being given to us. We live so often as we're trying to that we were we're doing good things to get something. And and what our Father in heaven is trying to teach us is that I have because you are my children, you because you are followers of me, I have something to give you. Living characteristically like me. Meaning when you do these things, when you live as though I, in this way that the Spirit of God moves you to feed others and to care for others, when you're doing these things, when you're loving other people as I love you, you are learning this is what my kingdom is like. This is, this is what the kingdom of God is, is going to be. Look in verse 34. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. These aren't the things that make us saved. These are the things that reveal that we are of his nature. 
And as we practice these things, we understand this is what the kingdom of God is like. Not only are we understanding that's what the kingdom of God is like, those around us begin to see this is what the kingdom of God is like. When we are willing to serve other people at cost to us, when we are willing to minister to other people at our expense, when we are willing to go and lay down our lives for other people, people say, people are learning this is how the kingdom of God functions. And a selflessness that we have for one another. We enjoy each other and, and share that love with one another. This is about us giving was our ministry to others should give people a preview of our coming kingdom. We're not going out. In fact, they, they sit, they're going to say, when do we do these things? When do we know these things? They didn't understand that what they were doing was for the glory of God, that it was for, that they were ministering to Jesus. They were just simply being instruments of His righteousness. You and I need to be involved actively involved in some way ministering to other people. And that's the last thing. Operation, there was a ministry created years ago called Operation Inasmuch. Operation Inasmuch was created based on this passage. And uh, in 2016, there were 2,100 churches in 25 states that participated. There were 514 churches reported they sent out 27,000 volunteers and ministered to 208,000 people, representing $4.2 million in labor hours and material cost. And so many people who gave their lives to Christ. And it was just simply finding projects, like we were talking about, finding ways to minister to people and to communicate to people the love of Jesus Christ and then connecting it to the gospel. Sharing the gospel with them as you found these opportunities to do it. Look in verse 37. He said, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The inasmuch comes from the King James. And as much as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. God is constantly bringing people into our lives. I so often have people come to me and say, I don't know, I want to serve, I don't know how to serve. And if I have a moment, I mean, I'm always thinking of, we'll serve in the nursery. Uh, or serve and pre, you know serve and teach a class or work in a class or volunteer or help do there's a thousand things there but in our new members class one of the things I highlighted was it's much better if you're not thinking of this as your place of service but it's the world as your place of service because here's the thing if, if we actually have time to really talk about it here's what I want you to know God is bringing people into your path each and every day. So if you really want to know how to serve, just ask him, open my eyes. Open my eyes to the people you bring in front of me each and every day. And teach me to love them. Because he's going to bring hungry people into your path. He's going to bring naked people into your path. 
I mean, I hope you understand what that means. People who need clothes. People who need caring for. He brings those people into your path. And he's going to bring people who you've been ignoring, turning a blind eye to. You're gonna, he's just going to open your eyes as they were there all the time. And it's also going to be people who come at the most inopportune times, the most inconvenient moments. When he shares the parable of the Good Samaritan, he's, he's highlighting that there were two religious people, and maybe on another day they would have been willing to help, but these were really inconvenient days. They, were, they had very pressing things to do, or they would have been ritualistically made unclean. And this was a big deal in Jesus' day. Everybody understood. Everybody would expect a high priest or, or, or one of the teachers of the law to, to go on past. It's like, no, no, you don't have time for that. You don't have time. It's like, it's like if I was coming to church on Sunday morning and I was getting ready to preach and I saw somebody stranded on the side of the road and they needed help and care. And I'm like, I, I can't stop because I have this super important duty to be right here in this spot doing this. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, if I come back right now with my angels in glory on my throne, what do you think I would be most pleased with you doing? Passing by this person who needs to be cared for in order to get to this place? Or stopping and trusting this that Daniel could keep singing? So you get there and taking care of this person I've brought into your path. You see it? He says that the good Samaritan, the, the neighbor, the one who actually is doing what God pleases God, is the one who stops. He says, let me take care of you in the moment that that person is there because that is the greatest opportunity to show the love of Christ I have in that moment. That happens in each of our lives. I didn't, when I came to church this morning, I didn't see anybody stranded on the side of the road. I didn't see anybody bleeding off on the side of the ditch. But there will come a day when you will see that person, when you will see that need, you'll see that hungry person, when you will see that person who needs to be ministered to, you see that person. I, I'm praying that somebody in this church will read about Operation as much or think in terms of we, we want to start a ministry once a, a year where we take the fall month of September start a campaign we'd like to call Jesus First and utilize a ministry like Operation in as much but it takes a person who says I would like to oversee this and basically what you do is you are looking for opportunities looking for projects looking for ways we can minister to people and when those things open up and that thing becomes available you help get people organized within the church to go take care of that need and so forth but it has to, it's a lot of work it's a lot of effort it comes with great sacrifice but here's what we need to remember our ministry to others is an act of service and worship of Jesus Christ himself when we are ministering to other people we are ministering to Christ when we wash each other's feet we are washing the feet of Jesus when we share our what we have with one another we are sharing with Jesus when we serve one another when we serve others we are serving Jesus and sometimes Jesus takes weird forms he's that very unpleasant person in line in front of us at Walmart 
George has seen those people before. He's that person in traffic that is in the way. He's that person on the side of the road with the sign says, need help. And I'm not saying throw cash at them. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying when you see people, anybody, just take a moment and say, Lord, how can I be your hands and your feet? How can I be your instrument of righteousness in this moment? How do you want to minister to this person? How have you loved me so that I can love this person in the same way? That's why we learn about the love of Jesus so then we know how to apply the love of Jesus. And as he has revealed his love to you, he's, he'll show you this. He will show you, this is how I loved you. I forgave you. I was patient with you. I cared for you. I shared with you. I gave to you. I sacrificed you. I laid my life down for you. This is what I want you to do for this person. It takes a relationship with Christ. It is about knowing him and knowing how his kingdom works. So here are a couple of questions I want us to ask ourselves so that we know that we are his sheep. The first question is simple. What are you doing? What are you doing that demonstrates the love of Jesus Christ? In what ways are you ministering to other people? What ministries are you participating in? How are you ministering to others? And the second question goes right with it. And why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Are you doing it for your own glory? Are you doing it to make people happy? Are you doing it because you get praise or accolades from others? Or you don't get punished by other people? Are you doing it because you're afraid of guilt? Or are you doing it for the glory of Christ? Are you doing it in the name of Jesus for the glory of Jesus? Because that is what he wants to see us doing. This is what makes identifies us as his sheep, as his followers. We are loving other people, ministering to other people... And we are doing it for his glory in his name. Now, here's what this, when I first when I first came here, I said, here's what I'm going to challenge our church to do on a continual basis, and that is every person commit to serve in ministry at least one time every three months. And this was the response I got. What? Once every three months. And I said, well. You'd be amazed. There's a lot of people in the church who don't do any form of ministry all year long. And so asking them to do it four times a year is a big change for them. It's a big transition. I hope that's none of you. I hope that you are not only doing ministry, but doing it for His glory at least four times a year. You might be doing it every day. Great. But whatever it is, Let's make a commitment. Let's make a commitment today to minister to other people. Actively minister to others. Get involved in some form of ministry. If you're saying, I don't know how to... You can pay attention. You can do random acts of kindness. We ask the ministries of our church to create opportunities for you to serve. We ask that of our children's ministry, of our student ministry, our worship ministry, our senior adult ministry, all the different groups and committees and teams and so forth, we're always asking them, find ways to involve people so they can serve and be a part of sharing the love of Christ. And maybe he's, maybe your ministry is to create a ministry. 
But whatever the case, today, let's make that commitment. Let's make that commitment to serve, to love other people in Jesus' name, to, to, to love them and do it for His glory. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your love and for your grace. And just pray today that your spirit will move in our hearts and minds. And God, that you will stir in us a desire to serve you and be faithful to you. Lord, it is so hard to love other people sometimes. Especially in this world in which there's so many things to be afraid of. So many things that concern us about the political welfare of our world and, and all the things that are going on around us. And so, sometimes we go into this self-preservation mode. But Lord, I pray that we would have the same spirit that Martha Myers had. To go into the fray. Into the difficult places. And just say, Lord, show me where to love. Always looking for opportunities to pour out your love. And when we find those opportunities, to not rush on to the next thing, but take time to communicate the love of Jesus Christ to take time to communicate your gospel so that lives are changed so that people are pointed to you Lord show us how we can do that and may we commit our lives to that today in Jesus name Amen stand with me as we have a time invitation just want to create this altar moment we had a family join the church earlier today in the first service Clayton and Cassandra Powell came and Asked to become part of this church. We're so excited about that. Maybe that's what God's leading you to do today. Or maybe he's just saying, I, I, want you to, I want you to take this ministry on by the horns. I want you to be the person to do that. We'd love for that to happen. Or maybe he's just saying, I just want you to humble yourself before me. And say, Lord, however you would have me to serve, I am willing to serve. And if you are serving, I'm so I'm grateful for that. And just I apologize if you don't think I, you've got the pat on the back that you deserve. But we are doing it for his glory. I just want to encourage you, keep doing it. Keep doing it. But let's let's make that resolve today. We will we continue to do this ministry as long as God gives us breath in this body to do so. As we say.